WLRN edition 87. Broadcasting in three, two, one. I was born woman. Off my knees, I will stand for my liberation. Sisters, rise again. I was born woman. Off my knees, I will stand for my liberation. Rise and rise again. Greetings and welcome to the 87th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, July 6th, 2023. This is Sekhmet Shiawal, champion of women's self-defense, self-respect, and self-love. This month's edition focuses on LGB pride in the past, present, and future. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Thistle and Emily did with VF and Jade with Women Speak Florida, Cuban lesbians from the Sunshine State. Later in the podcast, April Newalt revisits an essay written by Aurora Linnea in June 2021, entitled Pride, Corporate Patriarchy's Celebration in the Streets. I'll close out the show with my own thoughts on why Pride sucks now and what would ideally become of it next. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Mary O'Neill with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Take it away, Mary. Thanks, Sekhmet. In Japan, the parliament has passed legislation both raising the age of consent from 13 to 16 and redefining rape as non-consensual sexual intercourse. Before, a rape conviction required evidence that the victim had fought back. This law comes two years after a survey conducted by Japan's Gender Equality Bureau found that one in 14 women had been raped or sexually assaulted in the country, but less than half reported the crime. However, critics argue that more needs to be done, such as extending the statute of limitations. U.S. District Judge James Moody Jr. has blocked an Arkansas law banning gender-affirming care for minors. The ruling states, Rather than protecting children or safeguarding medical ethics, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients. The testimony of well-credentialed experts, doctors who provide gender-affirming medical care in Arkansas, and families that rely on that care directly refutes any claim by the state that the act advances an interest in protecting children. This comes when other countries, such as Norway, Finland, and the UK, have begun restricting gender-affirming care due to known developmental risks and the lack of evidence supporting long-term benefits. The Swedish newspaper Arbiteren has been court-ordered to pay Kaja Ekis Ekman seven months' salary in addition to damages and legal costs after it moved her from her position as acting editor-in-chief. Her appointment had caused protests owing to her women's rights activism, which includes research into surrogacy, prostitution, and gender ideology. An association of French lesbian and bisexual women has been prohibited from attending Pride Month events following accusations of transphobia. The letter announcing the decision referenced the association's membership policy, which states that association is open to any woman, born female, wishing to take part. 
Shortly before Dublin, Ireland's Pride Parade on June 24th, Dublin Pride posted an article on their website using a photograph from the Fairview March in 1983, which was the first Pride March in Dublin. One of the signs was altered to read the words, trans rights are human rights, when the unedited photo actually reads, the police aren't on your side either. Dublin Pride has not released a statement. Also in Ireland, a study conducted by University College Dublin reports that teenage girls in state care are being exploited and groomed by gangs of predatory men. Researchers say they have grave concern for children in state care and noted recurring instances of men picking up girls from residential care homes, coercing them into sexual acts and rewarding them with gifts. Interviewed staff members of TUSLA, the Child and Family Agency, said they have a strong impression that there are coordinated networks or gangs of predatory men. The agency acknowledges that it has failed children in the past as there was a lack of residential places available. This report is supported by investigation regarding an alleged abuse ring in Ireland, which was reported by the Irish Times in late 2022. Andrew Tate, an influencer known for his overt misogyny and his brother, have been charged in Romania with rape, human trafficking, and forming a crime group to sexually assault women. They had been arrested in December and were transferred to house arrest in March. Tate is popular among teenage boys and young men for promoting a hyper-masculine lifestyle and male superiority. A California bill mandates that insurance companies provide coverage of surrogacy costs for gay men. One of the bill's co-authors said that it will ensure that queer couples no longer have to pay more out-of-pocket to start families than non-queer families. The risks of surrogacy to both mothers and babies are neglected in the bill. An autopsy report reveals that Olympian Tori Bowie was in labor at the time of her death and cited complications of respiratory distress and eclampsia. Bowie competed in the Rio de Janeiro Olympics and won several medals, including gold in the 4 by 100 meter relay. Her death emphasizes the need for improved maternal care for black women who have a greater risk of preeclampsia which can turn into eclampsia or in high blood pressure during pregnancy results in life-threatening seizures and an increased risk of cardiovascular issues. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, July 6th, 2023. I'm Mary O'Neill. Share your news stories, announcements, and tips with us by emailing info at womensliberationradionews.com and letting us know what's going on. This is Joe Brew, and you are listening to WLRN.
just making that sign Must have taken all night You just need to take several seats And then try to restore the peace And control your urges to scream about all the people you hate Cause shade never made anybody less gay so. That was Taylor Swift with her song, You Need to Calm Down. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of a live-streamed interview Thistle and Emily did last month with Jade and VF, two lesbians who founded Women Speak Florida, who are organizing a Turf Pride event in New York City coming up on July 23rd. You can view the entire interview on the WLRN YouTube channel under the Live tab. Women Speak Florida, let's start there. Talk about yourselves, where you're from, and what your inspiration was for Women Speak Florida. And go ahead, Jade, you, you can start. Hi, I'm from Florida originally, one of those rare ones. Um, well, it started with Shelby. Um, she goes by Wash Your Own Brain. She reached out to me and she encouraged me to do a speaker's corner here in Tampa, um, which I was terrified to do. Um, because it's just so overly woke here. I did. It was successful. And then VF made the suggestion that we should do one every single month here in Florida. And from there, we just kind of this organic group formed. Yeah. And so were you inspired by Posey Parker and the Let Women Speak tour uh, of the USA? Yeah, because that event, like ignited a fire in me when I was actually surrounded by my sisters. Like it's, it's an experience. I really encourage everyone to try and, and have, there's nothing quite like being around like-minded women, strong, powerful women with the same voice and message. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, but there's also nothing quite like being surrounded by TRAs that are harassing you. Thankfully women speak Florida events aren't, aren't, aren't facing that harassment. Um, and so you actually get to hear the women speaking. You get to build up that sisterhood and that solidarity. VF, tell us how you, where you're from, a little bit about yourself and um, how you got involved with Women Speak Florida. Okay, well, we're both Cuban, you know, Miami lesbians. Mm. We've been around in the scene forever. I actually met her when there was lesbian clubs back in the day, a long time ago when I used to do my drag shows. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Posey Parker came and we all met and we just took over the group, <laughs> you know, <laughs> had to be done. Two lesbians are now running shit. And cool. Next. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, you know, being in, in so both of you are from Tampa, you said, Via? Right. You've been in on the scene in yeah. Florida. And what has pride been like for you? What has it been like? Let's start with the past. We'll go to the present and then we'll move to the future. VF, do you want to talk about that first? What, what, is, what has pride the month of June meant to mm. you? Well, at first it used to be gay pride and it was only about homosexuals and our rights. We needed them. So it was a protest, you know, mostly. And it was not for everybody. It was just gay people and our supporters. There was none of the kids stuff, none of this. It was just us with our protest signs, getting out there, facing opposition because people used to be like hateful towards gay people. I used to, you know, go anywhere and have these dirty looks and lose jobs and it was a struggle, you know, back then. 
we had to fight for remember, that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but VF, do you remember what year the first Pride you went to was? Or that you were first like involved or aware of it? Probably around 96. Wow. Yeah, um, well, I came out, you know, high school, yeah. so. Took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jade? What was the year the first Pride you went to? The first Pride year I went to was in twenty two. Uh, no, 2002. I was still in college. I went to the Wilton Manors one where that's where VF and I used yeah. to like run around as baby dykes. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We hung out in the same bars. It was the uh, 2002 Wilton Manor's Pride. It was, I miss it. I, I, I don't was know it a safe environment for lesbians? Wilton Manor's is a city dedicated to, you know, the LGB community. It is one of the, it's one of the gayest cities in America. And back then that community was stronger than anything I've mm -hmm. ever felt since. And I miss that camaraderie mm -hmm. so bad. And so um, has, has this, what's the name of the town again? Wilton Manor's. Wilton Manors has it been captured by the trans cult? Ooh, it's still I mean, it, gay men. Yes, it's it's she's right. It's predominantly gay men, but you see you see a yeah. large amount of those like trans flags. They don't really support it. They have the optics of supporting it. V, right. do you get that same feeling? Yeah, that's how it is there. Yeah. yeah. So I, is it kind of like the lesbians are now more underground, and it's more like the optics of trans because it's virtue yes. signaling and that's what sells or that's what well, they got kicked out. No. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they got, we got pushed wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. The lesbians were kicked out of this, of this community. Is that what yeah, you're saying? It closed. Oh, it closed. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's just like so much easier for these gay men's communities to welcome you know trans men into their spaces and then ju they just ignore them you know because it's a male dominated space it's not that big of a deal for them to be like whatever we'll let these you know women in and they'll stand in the corner and be awkward or whatever and everybody just ignores them all night and then they can go home and blog about how they were you know, so ignored or whatever, but like, it's different in a lesbian space. When you let a man into a lesbian space, he dominates that space. And, you know, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall though, in a gay men's space with, yeah. with women who identify as men to see how they might be treated. Because what I'm experiencing in Madison during this pride month is a bowing down and bending over backwards for anybody who identifies as trans. It doesn't matter if they're male or female, like everyone's just like, you are so holy, you know? Although, <laughs> that wasn't matters. That wasn't matters. No, it's definitely the men. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, there's a, actually a gay bar, like, walking distance from me. And I was telling Ella Androphobia, I, there's no trans flag. There's no B kind flag. There's only the OG flag. Wow. And I really want to go in there and see what the experience is like. Yeah. I really yeah. Wanna, I'd be so curious. I mean, if there was well, any business in Madison that just had... That any business that had the purple flag at all, I mean, I wouldn't even put it in my apartment window. I would be afraid of someone like throwing a brick through it. Like that's how it's afraid crazy. I am to yeah. show that flag in this town. Girl, same. I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm not really afraid. I live in a neighborhood just outside of downtown Tampa called Seminole Heights, which every person here has a 
purple hair, blue hair, pink hair, and a name tag that says they, them. I mean, everybody. It's yeah. <laughs> the yeah. zombie apocalypse. It's so weird that all these, I mean, weird is an understatement and is making light of the situation. It's uh, yeah. kind of terrifying. Like I suffer from, I'm pretty sure what would be thought of as PTSD because they have swarmed me and bullied me um in so many ways and for years and i don't understand how that can be a point of pride other than that meaning of pride that the original pride was not about the, mm. the original no. pride was about have no shame about who you are and your who you love and if you're same-sex attracted that's okay you should be confident and and you are loved and accepted i think that was the original well i meaning, mean i you think know? they were that like yes because i like i agree with you that the original meaning of pride is like we should be able to be ourselves but it was literally a riot like yeah it, it was literally but back in in that day and age the new york city police department was routinely raiding gay bars and arresting everyone. There was like a rule about like how many pieces of normal clothing you're like sex clothing you had to be wearing. And like, if you were wearing more than three items of the opposite sex clothing, you got arrested. And like, so they would routinely, and there were also like lots of the New York city gay bars were in cahoots with the mob and like paid the mob off and had mob protection because the mob was also in bed with the police, like paying the police off. But yeah, the, the like original pride riot at Stonewall bar in New York city was like the police came into raid and, the myth is that the gays were just like, not today, because <laughs> I was inside recently. And so that's sort of like the lore around it is that everybody was just like so torn up about Judy Garland dying like a, a week or a few days before that happened that they were just like, no, you can't raid our bar tonight and like fought back. It was stormy. I was stormy that started to push back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the one who was, uh, well, the story, to my understanding, she was handcuffed and started yelling at everyone, like, do something, do something, like, this has to come. But yeah, I mean, there's so many, I mean, that's what's so interesting about this incident. It's not that far in the past. We do still have people who were there, who are alive today, and... It's insane how differently the story has been told to, well, these people, to benefit the trans the, agenda. The trans agenda flown around. There was no bricks involved. It just was a place called Stonewall. Yeah, the trans agenda is motivated by lies. All of it is lies. Nobody's born in the wrong body. So let's talk about pride in the present, okay? Because I have a lot to say about that here okay. in Madison. You know, um, I think I mentioned earlier that the mayor of Madison, who is a lesbian, raised the trans flag in a ceremony with an alder in the city of Madison for District 15, who is a male um, who identifies as transgender. And they did a flag raising ceremony of the trans flag in front of City Hall, and they uh, said that it was going to be there for one week. So at least they do have a takedown oh, date. Really? Only, I thought it yeah. was up for the whole month. It was one week, which 
Another okay. that was another thing about That's so transphobic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another thing about my letter. It's like I'm. What about let's put up a lesbian pride flag, you know? And mm-hmm. and and she and it was interesting because I got an automatic response, and she's like, "I read every email, and I will respond, but um, this is an automatic response." And then I did not get a response, and I think and I live. In Madison, she's the mayor of Madison, you know, um, and so it's just pride 2023 in Madison is all about trans and mutilating kids and covering it up and saying that it's about the rainbow family when it's or just like about capitalism. I mean, so it's it's there's already a very high number of pride progress flags in businesses that are not just gay businesses, like lots of regular businesses. I think that for me as a gay person, that is the thing that has changed the most between the past and the present is like in the past, that flag, any flag, rainbow flag, it was in a gay business. It yes. was that was owned by a gay person or was frequented like majority by gay people. It was gender. It was literally like a, a flag to be like, Hey, come here and like support, you know, gay. Right. People. And now it's, it's a, it's like a capitalism. Like it's a selling. It's point on t-shirts at Target. I don't know about my, for my Jewish family, but like, it reminds me of like, imagine like a gay mezuzah, right? You see the, you see the gay flag on a, on a business be like, I'm safe. You touch the <laughs> yeah. flag. I'm good to enter. You yeah. know, that's so funny. That's so true. Yeah, and I don't feel that way anymore. I feel actually more cautious about going into businesses. I mean, especially if you have a Pride Progress flag next to a trans flag, I'm like, I don't even want to go in there. Listen, I, I don't. I literally, I literally don't. If I see the trans flag on a business, I'm like. I'm like Jesus and like, and, and, you know, like the blood on the door be like, pass, <laughs> like, nope. Yeah. No yeah. pass, hard pass. Oh, funny. Yeah. It's pretty. And it's crazy. I remember in, um, let's see, I moved to San Francisco in 2017 and that was the year. And I don't know how much of it was a difference between New York city and San Francisco. Like San Francisco was already like a, you know, more, more gay city because of, the you know it's smaller and just had more gay people than new york but like i remember 2017 was the year when i was walking around the city that i was like why the hell is there a giant rainbow flag at the gap like there <laughs> a rainbow flag at j crew or whatever like all these just just clothing stores on the main drag that I was, and I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, and, and it's only just gotten worse. Yeah. Have anybody here recently been to an actual pride parade? I have lately, like maybe three years back before COVID. Okay. So I think it was, yeah, it was last year. So one of my friends works for a brewery and he asked me to be on his float in downtown St. Pete. And I was like, all right, you would not believe everybody on that float had zero idea about gender ideology or trans ideology. Shocking. They were all gay dudes. Um, They had no clue, literally no clue. I peaked the entire, like, I don't want to say the name of the brewery, but I peaked the entire brewery. (laughs) <laughs> that day but when 
walking through the parade, it was all about merchandise. It was all about capitalism. It had nothing to do with pride. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. The only thing I saw was either like a business is trying to like beg for your dollar or perverts trying to beg for your kids. Yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the most, I mean, fascinating things, like with this whole like Target Pride merch thing and people being like, even even some, you know, lesbian feminist women who I would not, who would I, I would think would not fall for this, like what I see as like just the capitalist shill, were like, we got to go support Target because the bad people don't want Target to have the Pride merch. And I was like... I mean, I looked at the Pride merch on Target, and it's like, do you really want to buy a T-shirt from Target that says queer on it? (laughs) I I can't fathom wanting to give my money to a company to put a slur on a T-shirt for me. It's astounding. It's astounding. It's it's crazy. I think, where, when, when, when did... Did queer become okay to say? Because even it coming out of my own mouth causes the nerves in the back of my neck to cringe. I don't like the word. Older lesbians and gays, bisexuals don't like the word. It was always thrown at us in the most hurtful, vile way. So you want me to go spend $25 to plast it on a t-shirt and walk around in it? Right. No, no. Queer does not mean gay. It just means anything. That's why right. I think queer legitimately in this day and age means like straight people who are pretending right. to be gay. Like that is who identifies as queer generally, because like you were saying, Jade, like real gay people, especially, you know, gay people who are over 20, remember what it felt like to be called queer. And I, my entire experience being in like going from a gay space that turned into a trans space. I remember when that shift started where people were like, well, why don't we just all call each other queer? And it was like, you've never, if you think that we should call each other queer, you've never been called queer. So um, can I tell a story? Okay. So I recently have a new bartender that I trained, right? Mm -hmm. So yay, no more like overtime for me. So on the very first day of training her, she's like, how do you identify? And I'm like, I don't identify. And she's like, well, I identify as queer. And I said, don't use that word around me. And I said, Like, literally straight up, I'm like, don't use that word around me. And I said, listen, we clearly have opposite ends on this opinion, all right? Let's not talk about it so we can keep a professional atmosphere here at work. Period. End of story. Two days later, I was pulled into my general manager's office and was like, I wasn't in trouble. They were like, you're not in trouble. And I was like, okay. They're like, you can't talk about the trans issue anymore. And I was like, I beg your pardon? And they were like, yeah, some employees are uncomfortable, feel unsafe with the language you use. I was like, okay, I will be careful. And she's like, we're coming into Pride Month. We have to be careful. There's the NAACP with a warning, the Equality Florida with a warning. We're afraid this is going to affect our revenue. I was like, say less. I'm okay. I will behave, right? What do you think I did? I went and got myself a Tumblr from Parker Poti that said, woman, adult, human, female. <laughs> I ain't talking about it. <laughs> so, Wait, yeah, so work, have like, you had any issues using that at work? As, as oh, God, yes. I got mass. This dude lost his crap on me like a couple weeks ago. So I had it behind the bar. And this guy comes up. And he wants a margarita. And he's like asking me, like, what do I drink? I said, well, I drink a female-owned and operated tequila by the name of La Gratonia. 
And so he goes and he's like, you're being a turf, you're exclusionary. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you referred me to that, that woman tequila. And I was like, yes, I suggested a female tequila. He's like, that language is, that language is transphobic. And I said, female is transphobic. He was like, yes. And he went and complained to the manager. And I was like, this is two days after I was just told not to talk about the trans issue. Oh, no. Has your boss seen the Tumblr with adult human female on it? I mean, I, I really <laughs> hope you don't get fired. Yeah, Seriously. Crystal's lost plenty of jobs because over trans harassment. So we're like, oh my God, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, and um, I would like you to keep us posted yeah. about what happens in the yeah. future because... But it's awesome. I mean, why why can't we? It's it's Pride Month. I mean, it's You know, insane. it's like Turf Pride, right? Like, that takes us to the future. It's like, why can't... If they can have their identities, if, if they can identify as, like, a disabled, you know, man in a wheelchair with a sexual fetish or whatever, if, they can, if that can be their identity and that's how they identify... Why can't we identify the way that we identify and coexist? Mm. I mean, I've not heard any, and that's so ironic too, because they call us the ones that are exclusionary, trans exclusionary, radical feminist, turf, right? Well, we're not exclusionary. I mean, I know I'm not exclusionary. What am I excluding them from? Nothing. They're excluding us from our spaces and from being in public, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so I just think in the future we need to educate, agitate, and inspire one another. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what Women Speak Florida is trying to do July 23rd in NYC. Okay, so I'll hand the mic to VF then. What are you doing? Um, how did you get inspired to do Turf Pride? What is it in New York City? Okay, well, I decided we gotta take back Pride for us lesbians and for women and everybody else. We need to celebrate ourselves. We need to protest. It's time to fight back. And I figured where place better to start the, you know, community union of event than New York, where all the woke shit comes from with, you know, the Florida team being the cure for it. So we're definitely there to like wake people up and connect the community. It's going to be a global party. What is, you, you, it's going to be a party. And that's, the that's hard. You party hard after you work hard, you know? Yeah. After you work hard. Okay. And um, do you have, for the public event, I, I don't want to put your event, you know, in danger in any way. I don't want you to share any, you know, real uh, logistical details about where and when and all of that. But if you could maybe describe for women who might be interested in being part of Turf Pride in New York City, what is your timeline? Like, when do they show up and what are you going to do? Are you going to have a potluck? What is it going to look like? Well, we're going to have a demonstration of event you know like we're gonna come together at the un and this is gonna be the 23rd contact us for details do you have a police liaison or um do a you have category. do you have um a permit we're working on the permit i'm actually talking to retired cops in that precinct that w i have hired that will be our protection Oh, well, that's good. I'm really that's glad awesome. to hear that. And I think yeah. that'll increase your your interest and your attendance. As far as attendance, so if I'm out there listening and I'm like, oh, I live close to New York City. I'd love to be there that weekend. It's a weekend? Is it a weekend? Sunday. Sunday. Okay. I'd love to be there for that weekend. I'm going to contact them 
Then what happens after I contact you? Then I have a, a Zoom right. meeting with you to verify that you are an actual female. The same thing we do with Femax, you know, like you can't, I'm not, we don't disclose any personal information or details about the event until I have put all my nerves at ease. I know that who you are, you have been verified, you have been vetted. From there, we pretty much keep, we still keep those details very vague just in case, you know, around about where we're going to meet, when we're going to meet and things like that. And so when you're vetting a woman that you've never met before who contacts you and wants to be involved and wants to be there, does she just have a Zoom meeting with you or does she become a part of an email listserv or a way for all of the participants to talk with one another or? Yes. Well, actually all of the above, if they want to, we have a dedicated signal group so that these, these women can actually get to know each other in their own community. Cause a lot of these women feel very disconnected and they feel very much alone so that they, they've actually met other women in their area now because of the signal group. Okay. So that does help. As for some of them do not feel comfortable joining the signal group that way, if they don't, they remain in contact with me via email, via cell phone, things like that. Mm -hmm. Have you been engaging in conversations with other police liaison activists like uh, Kay Yang? Yes, Kay um, Yang, we're in touch with her and Maria from Sovereign Women Speak. We're working. You know, oh, good, because we all need to share knowledge and collaborate and cooperate with one another because there are ways of, of, of learning through time of how to negotiate with the police, but not, you know, necessarily be deep in with the police, because I think in some cases, or if you are, it's like you realize that they are there in service to you and you have to always be looking at it that way. And also with a little bit of skepticism, because as you know, the police have their own biases and they're human beings and there's politics. There's always politics and, mm. but you know, what we saw on the Let Women Speak tour, the USA tour with Posey Parker, is that the New York City police, um, I'm so glad, are you also talking to Amanda Stolman? Because she was key in, in the police liaison work for New York City during that, uh, the Posey Parker tour. I can put you in touch with her. Yeah, she could, if you can put us in touch, she'd be great. She, she was the one who secured the permits. She, anyway. I will send you an email with her email information afterwards. But this is what I'm talking about is like, we need to talk to each other. We need to network. We need to collaborate. We need to cooperate and, and believe in training and like how we can train each other as we go along, because we need armies of women. We need tons of women out on the streets who are going to be able to face these guys down. But also we need to have the police, protect us so that we can demonstrate our first amendment rights. I mean, this is, this is hard stuff in America that we're facing right now. I really think we're facing down an authoritarian, you know, movement that disguises itself as this marginalized group. So you were, you were talking about how you reached out to your mayor. I wanted to do the same thing, but the problem is the mayor here in Tampa is a lesbian and she was once the chief of police and she's 100% indoctrinated by this ideology. That's why I fear doing events here in Tampa because I know, I know deep down we would not have protection. In fact, they would probably watch us get our ass beat. 
Right. And so these things, it's in, what, did you pick New York City in part because of how they, the police had been during the Posey Parker event? No. <laughs> no, it's like a central hub for turfs to, you know, unite our community. We're trying to work with everybody else because nobody else is as fortunate as us. So we're going to take it on. Right on. I mean, mm -hmm. I like focusing on solidarity and sisterhood, too, but I just know that within the feminist community, because these TRAs are so violent and so obnoxious, that we, women want to feel safe, you know, or safer. You're not, if you're going to go out onto the streets and there's going to be a police barricade with violent protesters on the other side of the line, you want to feel like your organizers and everybody's on the same page and right. you've got some plans in place for escape and, and your your personal safety. So it sounds like you're working on that. I'm excited that uh, Amanda's name came up because I'll also send you um, the link to the conversation we had about that event nice. about Thank you. three weeks after it happened. So it was fresh on everyone's mind. Um, it was a live stream where they went into a lot of detail, both Kay Yang and Amanda Stolman, about their police liaison work with the NYPD. Um, I think the UN is in a different precinct, though. Um, so, and precincts can vary from precincts to precinct. That's how it is in Madison. There's the Capitol Police, there's the UW Police, there's the City of Madison. You know, they're different types of police. and. It can be very complex, you know, so it's good to be on the top of your game. And it sounds like you are working in that direction. And I'm sure that. Yeah, every every event that we have here in Florida, I absolutely contact the local P the police department. I let them know who we are, what we do and what we stand for. So there's no surprise that they know when we're going to be there, when we're going to be done and whatnot. So I don't ever walk into a city that they don't know we're coming and know what we're there for. So, yeah. That's great. Awesome. Marsha Matthews is, says hire a bus. You know, I remember the days when I was going, I was part of the anti-capitalist, um, you know, movement against the WTO's policies in the early 2000s where they had the Battle of Seattle in 2000 and then onwards into the, the next few years. And we, I remember those days, we literally hired buses and would take, hundreds of people from Madison to DC to demonstrate. I wish TERFs would do that. I think that that would be so cool. Like TERF pride, come on, we gotta come out sisters. We gotta come out. Goal. That could be next year's goal. If you wanna be on it. Come out, come out. Where, oh, and then if, if you, Marsh Matthews, maybe you could be the, the point person for the bus sister. <laughs> yes. The little gay bus. Yeah. <laughs> the freedom bus. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The freedom bus. You know, because we are Americans, right? And freedom is important. And, and we have a history of, uh, of movements that are guided by a concept of freedom and, and also justice. And Emily was commenting to me the other day, she's like, you know, these TRAs, they post memes that, that we totally agree with about pro-immigrant rights, you know, against war uh, and war spending, military spending, other things like that we are in agreement about. And then it's like, I don't know. I wish they didn't hate us so much. It's like, why do they hate us? Because they hate women, because this is about woman hatred is what the trans movement is about. And 
And so, well, and it's because like they know they're not women, so they can't allow people to exist anywhere near them who are not playing along with their fantasy because it one hundred percent breaks the reality, you know, and they. Right. They need to to live in a world where every single person around them is like, yes, ma'am, you look so cute today, you know, because one person even giving them the slightest side eye reminds them that they're not a woman and they never will be. But why do we care so much about their feelings? We shouldn't. I agree with that. I agree we shouldn't care about their feelings and that we should care about our rights. And and that we are full human beings, full citizens with the right to demonstrate, and that it's fun. If you come into the street with your sisters and you've got a good plan, you've got a permit, you've got a police liaison that's solid, that's done her research and hired security, it, you know, if, if you have all of that in place, please come, sisters. It's so much fun. It is so much fun to turf. Turf in your life. Be part of the live stream after party. Please. I mean, honest to God, I, I talk to I talk to V about this all the time. The turfing out there is where you find your voice, you find your power. It is it's like a drug. You become addicted to it. Like, honest to God, after Miami, I'm like, this is great. I have to do this again. And like once you do it once, you're scared, you're nervous, you're shaking, and you're like in your mind, you're like, oh my god, I did this. And then then this realization is like, wait, she's right, I can do this. And then you go out there, you find your voice, you get on the streets, and you do it, and you do it again and again. But it's the after party, that bonding with your sisters, that everybody in this community needs to experience. Your sisterhood is everything. And you need to be there. You need to be in this movement. Anyone who lives like within a hundred miles of NYC, or if you know anybody who lives, give us the email address. It's womenspeakflorida at gmail.com, uh, right? Um, and like I said, like I said, I get everybody discounts on hotels. So, and we can bunk up, get two or three people to a hotel room. You don't have to worry about the price of that because we can all share it and split it. We just need bodies. So ladies out there who are listening, if you are within a hundred mile radius of New York City, I challenge you, look at your calendars, look at July 23rd and see what's going on and um, hook up with a, a couple of other sisters in your area and then write an email to womenspeakflorida at gmail.com, get vetted and get out there. From across the femisphere to women worldwide, worldwide to women worldwide, radical feminist media to break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, break the sound barrier, radical feminist media to break the sound barrier. This is your grassroots, 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 grassroots community radio station. This is your radio station. Women's Liberation Radio News. Before we move into Sekhmet's commentary for this month's show, we wanted to give a shout out to WLRN member Aurora Linnea for her piece she did about Pride the summer of 2021 when she first joined the collective. Her written piece, called Pride, Corporate Patriarchy's Celebration in the Streets, can be found at our website at wlrnmedia.com. The following is a reading that WLRN member April No took upon herself to create once she read the piece and realized how amazing it is. Enjoy. 
In the storefront windows of the H&M of Starbucks of Nike, rainbows are breeding furiously amongst themselves, proliferating at an alarming rate. Rainbows are pulsing, throbbing. Rainbows are sending out tendrils, stealing in all directions, like kudzu. Someone tosses confetti into the air. Teeny weeny tinsel penises showering down, sparkling to the sidewalk. A man in platform heels and a pink marabou trimmed peignoir struts down the street. His sachet impeded somewhat by the vanity table around his waist. Giant tubes of lipstick and eyeliner sprout from either side of his platinum bouffant. Following him is a squadron of white men wearing black leather cop costumes. A young Latino man in Carmen Miranda drag throws bananas to children. Men and women, all of them sweating glitter and outfitted in matching neon hot pants, hula hoop together to a song by the village people. A greased naked man rollerblades by. No, no, he's not entirely naked. Never have you been so grateful to see a gold lame codpiece. Goldman Sachs employees are out in force, flapping around the unicorn flags they found as freebies in their cubicles this morning. And what's that behemoth in the sky blotting out the June sun? Why, it's the MasterCard blimp! The banner that trails behind it, bearing the all-important affirmation, Love is love. You have to get out of here, but you can't. You're surrounded. There's nowhere to go. Behind you, someone is screaming, Fabulous! The rainbows begin to burrow into your skin. It burns. Itches. There's a tinsel penis stuck to your shoe. Someone hands you a sample-sized bag of rainbow Doritos. Welcome to Pride, capitalist patriarchy's yearly carnival of male-styled sexual freedom. It is unsurprising that Pride has denigrated as it has. Pride is, after all, controlled by men. So too the gay rights movement and the LGBTQ plus community. A disagreeable reality of the patriarchal society in which we live is that lacking a proactive effort to overturn male supremacy, when men and women come together in groups, the men rise to power. They take over and what was supposed to be shared territory becomes just one more zone of patriarchy. This is because men have more money and greater cultural clout, and because men are accustomed to being in control, while women are used to being secondary and subordinate, and also to serving men. Men are socialized to lead, women to submit to male leadership. The result is that men's values prevail. A male agenda dominates. In the case of the LGBTQ kingdom, the ruling males happen to be gay or queer, which may or may not be the same thing. One need not be homosexual to be queer. Indeed, I think the sole criterion is self-absorption. It is therefore gay queer men's values and gay queer men's agenda and gay queer men's power to which women are to defer. 
LGBTQ plus culture is gay, queer, male supremacist culture. And patriarchy voguing in a rainbow leotard is still patriarchy sisters. The state of pride today reflects the phallocratic program that festers at the heart of the LGBTQ movement. There is the obsessive assertion of the true self, apparent in the preoccupation with the individualistic discourse of identity and the male self's absolute right to express its supreme uniqueness in the soppy, free to be you and me mantras and queer posturing at rebel yell nonconformity and most ominously in the antipathy for whatever might curb self-expression or self-indulgence, including anti-oppression politics. There is the fervent worship of manhood and masculinity. Here we find ourselves confronted with the leather daddy, the gay cowboy in chaps, etc. There is also the infatuation with the man-made feminine, cherished in its most exaggerated forms by men as a never-drying reservoir of hilarity and erotic frisson, the natural complement to the masculinity they idolize. Hence the inescapable drag queens. Lastly, there is the credo of sexual liberalism, sexual freedom on men's terms, which translates roughly to unrestricted phallic access. The no-holds-barred gratification of the male self's every erotic desire. Gay sexual liberalism often reduces to a call for, as Bradford Langrock Roth so eloquently puts it, quote, as much cock as I want anywhere and any time, then life will be great, end quote. This vision of sexual freedom goes far to explain why pedophiles, sadists, and pornographers have received such a friendly reception. Gay queer male domination has meant that the radical, social, and political project for societal transformation some decades ago dropped off the LGBTQ to-do list. In the 1970s, the Gay Liberation Front may have had a genuinely radical politics. Some men in the movement understood the direct link between gay men's oppression and women's oppression. They sought to tear down the hierarchy erected by the gender system and eschewed masculinity and femininity alike as symptoms of male dominance. The GLF's radicalism flagged and faded, however, and by the late 70s, gay men had retreated en masse to their patriarchal comfort zone. Today, discussion of ending male supremacy has gone extinct. Certain LGBTQ organizations notably Stonewall UK, have protested the lack of anti-racist consciousness and racial inclusivity at Pride. A valid complaint, no doubt. By reason of white supremacy, the ruling males of the LGBTQ have been unmistakably white in addition to being male. Yet there has been no equivalent public outcry about Pride's phallocentrism in spite of evidence that conspicuous maleness makes the event less than inclusive of females. One recent survey found that 31% of LGBTQ women don't feel comfortable or welcomed at Pride events. In the words of Susan Hemings, 
male brain death on issues of patriarchy is not confined to heterosexual men. For gay queer men and straight men alike, eradicating male supremacy is an unattractive proposition. What gay queer men want from the gay rights movement is their rightful slice of male power and male privilege, not the elimination of that power. They want the approval of their heterosexual brothers, not for those men to cease being the golden boys of a corrosive world order. The object is gay queer assimilation into the mainstream. At their meekest, these men ask for tolerance. At their most grandiose, they hope for celebration. It is this absence of a broad-based, oppositional, anti-oppression politics that makes pride and gay rights palatable to capitalist patriarchy and ripe for corporate colonization. Presumably, if the status quo were in fact endangered by rainbows and unicorns and love is love, we would not be able to purchase pride Listerine. In a technicolor sea of gay queer male supremacy, the lesbians' options are limited. We can emulate gay men in their pious devotion to masculinity and manhood, style ourselves after men, and endeavor to incorporate glorified gay male sex practices like anonymous trysts unsullied by emotional connection in public restrooms into our romantic lives. We can embrace gay men's camp visions of hypersexualized uber femininity, doll ourselves up in rhinestones and red lipstick, don some fishnets and pretend that our self-objectification is a subversive parody, which it can never be. However performative we fancy ourselves in our sequenced bustiers, everyone else on earth will see us as women, being appropriately woman-like. We can form a lesbian ladies auxiliary to support our gay queer male brothers, tirelessly fighting their fights, defending them from their persecutors, and generally acting as ego boosters and stand-in wives. Or we can buy a rainbow-wrapped cheeseburger from Burger King to signal our queer identity and tromp along after the boys, desperate to convince ourselves that this nonsense means a damn thing, because we don't know where else to go. Lesbians not wishing to partake in any of the above will have difficulty fitting in at Pride. Lesbians who are feminists, who love and center women, find ourselves no less alienated by gay queer male supremacist culture than by heterosexist male supremacist culture. We cannot merely team up to cavort with our gay brothers. Our position as women loving women in a woman-hating world is different from that of gay queer men. Our politics are different. We mean to uproot every ideology and institution of male dominion because these tyrannize and traumatize women. Gay queer men mostly do not want male dominion to end because they benefit from it. We demand an end to the gender caste system because we understand it as fundamental not only to women's oppression, but also to the other oppressive regimes that define patriarchal civilization. Gay queer men mine the gender caste system for laughs and sexual excitement. Gay queer men see sexual freedom 
in universal phallic access, unhindered by challenge or restraint. We are not so excited about this concept of freedom because we've seen how men use their penises to violate women and girls, and boys, other men, animals. Since gay queer men's aims are often antithetical to feminist lesbian women's aims, clashes are inevitable. It is a myth that gay men are natural friends to lesbians and women overall. This myth is based on the notion that, due to being low-status males perceived by straight men as more woman-like because they get fucked by men, homosexuality nurtures in males a special capacity to empathize with women. An alternative basis for the myth is the notion that, as a consequence of being fucked by men, or because they're into drag, gay queer men are literally more woman-like in some essential way. But being a low-status male is not equivalent to being a woman. Nor does getting fucked by men or having an affection for frippery turn a man into a woman. Gay queer men are men. And unless and until they disavow male supremacy, any lesbian alliance with them will be tenuous. And when that alliance breaks down, lesbians unwilling to comply with the commands of the ruling males will be demonized and driven out of rainbow land. Lesbians who oppose gay queer male sexual liberalism's transgressive desires for pornography, prostitution, sadomasochism, misogynist feminization, and pedophilia are derided as unsexy, censorous enemies of freedom. My partner and I have been known to put stickers printed with phrases like, men who hate women love porn, on the front windows of pornography shops in a nearby city. Several years ago, our stickering prompted a gay man we know to contact my partner, informing her of the hideous homophobia implicit in her putting anti-porn stickers on a queer porn store. He also threatened to expose her as a swerf, sex worker exclusionary radical feminist, in a way that could have put her employment at risk. This treatment is mild in comparison to the attacks experienced by lesbians who dare to restrict male sexual liberties and trample upon the sacred male self by refusing to include males into their sex lives, even if those males call themselves lesbians. Lesbians who publicly object to recent redefinitions of the word lesbian that render it more inclusive of heterosexual men intent on manipulating lesbian women into having sex with them have been vilified as disgusting fascist bigots compared to racists, threatened with violence, and harassed by their fellow queers at pride parades from San Francisco to London. Women have been targeted for abuse for carrying signs announcing straightforward facts like lesbian means female homosexual. A male organizer at the 2018 Pride event in Manchester, England, stated that lesbian protesters with the group Get The L Out UK should have been, quote, dragged out by their saggy tits. Pride in London organizers have said that such non-compliant lesbians were an evil needing to be, quote, stamped out. 
The lesbian feminist Magdalene Burns, immensely popular YouTube videos pushing back against the LGBTQ plus vision of a more inclusive lesbianism, made her one of the most notorious women on the internet. Although Magdalene died from brain cancer in 2019, she has been allowed no peace from queer vitriol. On Twitter, activists' missives announcing plans to, quote, piss on her grave, end quote, abound. In a reversal that would seem paradoxical were it not for men's well-known loyalty to other men, gay queer men dedicated to championing homosexuality have become impassioned enforcers of compulsory heterosexuality for women. Not to love men is, in male supremacist culture, possibly the most execrable sin. Marilyn Fry once wrote, the LGBTQ plus camps rancor towards lesbian women, unequivocal in proclaiming their love of women, not men, confirms how right she was. For males, gay, queer, or straight, women who say no to men are an abomination. In gay, queer, male culture, just as in heterosexist male culture, women are expected to submit to men, fall in line, lie down, shut up. It is a seductive fantasy that amongst gay queer men, women and lesbians will at last be on equal terms with our brothers because we share same-sex attraction. And if we unite around that pivot of sameness, all the differences between our experiences, our social positions, our needs and interests will melt away and men will esteem us as peers. But so long as patriarchy stands, this can be no more than a fantasy. Whatever color flag they might be waving, most men enjoy male power. They are disinclined to give it up. Men rule LGBTQ+, men rule pride. And men do not tolerate self-determining, self-respecting, dissident women. Women who don't kneel before male authority. We are despised. We will be punished. It may be in our interests to develop alliances with men who share our goal of bringing down patriarchy, but we betray ourselves, stooping to collaborate with men who uphold it. Instead of getting cozy with the reigning drag queens and leather daddies of the LGBTQ+, we can embody our lesbian pride by getting the L out and veering off the parade route. There is somewhere else for us to go. We can return to our love for women and recommit to the perhaps less fabulous, but far more urgent, serious march towards the radical transformation of self and society. Let the men have their party. When we take to the streets, it will be in revolt. of lesbian, gay, and bisexual pride demonstrations are political. Yes, there were social benefits for the gay men, lesbians, and bisexuals who attended those early prides, finding friends, lovers, and community, often for the first time. 
There were valuable psychological and emotional benefits too, as pride parades provided the first and only public space where LGB people celebrated and affirmed homosexual love and existence in an oppressively heterosexist society. But beyond these more personal individual benefits to the gay men, lesbians, and bisexuals who participated in Pride, and who, from the closet, watched the demonstrations, the heart and soul of Pride marches was political resistance to heterosexism. It took enormous courage for lesbians, gay men, and even bisexuals to organize and show up at those first Pride events in the 70s. They could have been arrested, beaten by police, fired from their jobs if recognized, violently attacked by straight men, etc. And some of them were. Pride wasn't just about celebrating homosexuality. It was about defending it. It was, for many people, the first time they had ever stood up for themselves as homosexuals or bisexuals to say that the heterosexuals were wrong, that same-sex attraction wasn't sick, pathological, unnatural, immoral, or evil. Pride was originally the grandest public statement made by the gay and lesbian communities that homosexual lives had value and that LGB people not only deserved to live in peace, free of heterosexual persecution, but that they were no longer going to passively accept staying in the closet and passing as heterosexual to survive. That foundation has long since eroded I don't have to state the obvious for most listeners here, but I will for the newbies. Within the last decade, Pride events have been taken over by the trans cult to the point where lesbians have been literally thrown out for openly objecting to the idea of heterosexual men in drag qualifying as lesbians themselves. Before the trans cult became a widespread problem, Pride had already devolved into a corporatized feel-good party that no longer challenged heterosexual norms but at least it was still based on the core premise that it was meant to celebrate same-sex attracted people. Now it's a free-for-all, catering to heterosexual men in drag, allowing blue-haired 20-somethings who ID as non-binary to march with signs promoting violence against anyone who denounces gender identity as a concept, and not so subtly affirming porn, prostitution, and pedophilia as both good and inherently queer. Pride, like liberal spaces in general, is designed to be so inclusive that it's not even about same-sex attraction anymore. It's about everyone, and so about nothing at all. Plenty of people across the sexuality spectrum would argue that in the United States, Canada, and the UK, there is no political fight left for gay men, lesbians, and bisexuals. Same-sex marriage is legal, and unfortunately, that one issue has been the sum total of the fight for homosexual rights in many minds. Whether this attitude is the cause or the result of Pride losing its political overtones, I'm not sure. Whichever one it is, Pride hasn't been about political resistance to oppression for a long time. In my opinion, we should make Pride political again or put it to rest. I'm realistic about the fact that both are unlikely. Pride, as it's currently executed, is at best a waste of money and time, a way for corporations to profit off of the LGB community, as an excuse for people to party. At worst, it reinforces the distortions about homosexuality and womanhood that have become mainstream due to the trans movement and encourages hostility to lesbians, feminists, their gay and bisexual allies, and pretty much anyone who has a problem with the trans agenda, the pornification of lesbian sexuality, and misogyny in general. 
It's either apolitical or politically regressive from a feminist, pro-homosexual, leftist perspective. As it is, Pride would be better off universally retired. If we made Pride intentionally political again, as conscious homosexuals and bisexuals who reject the trans cult, corporatism, and conservatism, what would that look like? Beyond promoting messages like homosexual love is good, gay men and lesbians deserve respect, etc., Pride parades could bring attention to both the lack of legal protections for out-homosexuals in the areas of employment, housing, adoption, and parental rights, and to the experiences of other oppressions that many gay men, lesbians, and bisexuals have on other axes. Racism, sexism, ableism, classism, etc. When it comes to the former, Pride events could serve as places where in-person organizing occurs. When it comes to the latter, Pride could give the LGB community the opportunity for consciousness raising. If we refashioned LGB Pride in this manner, it could actually become a crucible of true leftist politics, the likes of which hasn't existed in the U.S. on that scale in decades. Obviously, this is a pipe dream now, given the state of consciousness most LGB people currently have. But if Pride was going to be political again for our benefit, that's what I think it would look like. In lieu of that positive turnaround, LGB people who have any real pride, self-respect, feminist consciousness, and leftist politics are better off staying home from pride events now. Foster community, friendship, and romance through small groups of like-minded LGB people. That's all you really need. Intimate conversation that creates real bonding and lends itself to consciousness raising doing fun activities together that actually feed connection more than intoxicated partying ever could. These are far more worth your time and energy than pride parades. Let the straight men have those. Thanks for listening to WLRM's 87th edition podcast on Pride, Past, Present, and Future. WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing their views. Thank you so much, VF and Jade of Women Speak Florida, for speaking with us. Until next time, this is Thistle Pedersen signing off on another WLRN podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. And if you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Thanks for listening. This is April No, WLRN Canadian member signing off for now. And I'm Sekhmet Shiaul. Thanks for tuning in. Next month, we'll focus our program on detransitioning with an interview segment featuring Kat Kattinson. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and full-length interview are released, please sign up on the WLRN WordPress site. Keep fighting male power, especially in your own consciousness. Thanks for listening. 
This is Mary signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spinster, Over It, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you. So please comment, like, and share widely. for the patriarchal kiss how will we find what needs to be shown